0: Superbrain is a labour of love. Alas, no podcast can survive on love alone. We don't have a sponsor, so we need your support for Superbrain to stay alive and kicking. You can make a one-off donation by following the Support This Show link in the show or episode description. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care
1: I'm good, how are you? Oh, I love your dog. Hello. Oh, yeah, this is Ziggy. Hello, Ziggy. Ziggy, you have a book dedicated to you. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I dedicated I have four dogs, all rescues. Oh, you do? I do, yeah, yeah, all rescues. I'm, uh, I'm just that. Yeah, I'm dog person. mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did mention them in my book, but two in particular, because they sit up and cuddle with me when I'm writing.
1: Yeah.
0: I uh, love and my son said to me, you can't leave the other two dogs out. No.
1: <laughs> right, get the bottom out, bottom out of the way, please. I love the spectacles. Oh, I've never worn glasses in my whole entire life. Yeah, well, life. they
0: actually really, really suit you. So. And I enjoy wearing
1: them now. I find yeah, it a little kind bit, of you know what it is? I find it a little bit of, like, just like, comfort, like... I'm not sort of bare faced to the yeah. world. You know what I mean? So yeah. what I'm having to do, like I just did women and home panel, where there's like amazing presenters, you know, on there and these women that just speak daily for, for their, their, their work and their industry. And then I'm a bit like, oh gosh, you know, I just like got not, nothing much to say. So I always feel like I'm quite protected. I'm not as bare, so I think it's it's quite like my comfort.
0: Normally I pre-record the intro, but actually today I'm going to start with the actual intro and then we can kind of get chatting into the nitty gritty. Okay. Hello and welcome to Superbrain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. My name is Sabina Brennan and my guest this week is the amazing Meg Matthews, author of The New Hot, Navigating the Menopause with Attitude and Style. Meg certainly knows a thing or two about attitude and style. In 1997, she was the most written about woman in the British press. Only Princess Diana and the Spice Girls garnered more column inches. A former music Industry PR. Meg was also an event planner and designer. She has now found her mission in life, which is to empower and support women through the menopause. Yay for that! Indeed, in 2018, she was awarded Inspiring Public Figure of the Year by the Inspirational Leadership Trust. Meg is also founder of MegsMenopause.com, which is a fabulous open source of information and advice dedicated to empowering women through honest and frank discussion of all things menopause. Meg, absolute congratulations on your book. It is a must read, I think, not only for women coming up to and going through the menopause, but also for younger women because young women for example like your daughter um, and I want to make sure I pronounce it right.
1: Anais. Yeah, yeah Anais it should be Anais but we just said Anais. Yeah, it should okay. be Anais but People can't, so everyone just calls her an A. Used to call it an, so an a, it right. because
0: wasn't there a perfume an
1: A and A? Yeah, an A and yeah, A. I a a. <laughs> I know they gave me a lifetime supply of it. They, they thought I named not. her. They did. Oh, they thought I named her after the perfume. I was like, no, it's the author, darling. Nia's Nin, the author. <laughs> <laughs> But people like, I who's around 21, early 20s, I think they
0: yeah. need to be empowered to navigate the menopause and see it as something to embrace, to embrace the change that comes in our life then, mm. which actually can be quite liberating and um a new beginning. Certainly that's sort of what I found. Now, not saying it's easy because (laughs) I had a pretty damn awful menopause. Your book is though incredibly accessible and it's a combination. I really like the style of it. It's not intimidating and it's a combination of personal stories, practical tips and insights from an impressive number of menopause professionals from gynecologists to psychologists to GPs to scientists to sexual health professionals practitioners, nutritionists, physiotherapists, just that list lets you know how menopause (laughs) can wreak havoc through all aspects of your life. And there's a lovely piece near the start of your book, which lists kind of, I think it's 34 symptoms of the menopause. And you can proudly say, (laughs) or not say you had 32, I had 27 uh, when I went through that list,
1: Um, but 32. Yeah. So I had no, no knowledge of the menopause. I used to hear people talk about it and I actually used to say in my head, it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to me. Gosh, never going to happen to me. I'm not going to be like that. And friends of mine that were going through it. So I was probably 40 and I had friends that were probably about 48. That difference between 40 and 48 is huge. You know, it is really huge. And, and I used to really, they used to be going, oh yeah, I'm on NHS, I used to think, oh God, it's just so not gonna happen to me. Anyway, before I knew it, all these things started going, like sort of started happening in my life. Like the anxiety, not sleeping, overwhelmness of life. Like I couldn't leave my house. I would catastrophize over everything. So mine was a lot of mental health issues to begin with, so more than the physical issues because I didn't know that my period stopped because I had the Marina coil. Right. So I'd had it for five years. Then I'd put a new one in at forty-five. So I had another five years to go. So I was one of these people that had the Marina coil but didn't really have periods. So. To me, it wasn't, you know, watching how was um, my cycle going and what day was this. So I wasn't in tune with it at all. I had the marina coil. I had spotting. Oh, my God, a bit of spotting. What the in, whatever, you know, that would be it. So I never was really in touch with my cycle. So the period thing I didn't think about, but the mental health stuff that hit me was like, so depleting in my life. I mean, I didn't leave my house for three months. I know, I was thinking I... about
0: that when I, when I was reading that. Like, that's horrific. But now in the pandemic, <laughs> it's kind of going, loads of us are in that state. Oh, I know. I, in a way, that's quite good because people can see how awful that is in a way to not leave your house because you can kind of sort of oh i didn't leave my house for three months but now that we're all sort of living through that people can see that it's very easy to just kind of go into yourself yeah i mean sort of felt you got social anxiety
1: yeah really social anxiety that i would like feel that i'd go out the house and then i would just feel that i was like you know i couldn't really hold eye contact with people i just was like this underlying anxiety but I couldn't put my finger on and I've been back to the doctor and I've been on antidepressants for like really just never thought I ever wanted to take anything like that but two years coming up to this I was just like you know give me antidepressant just you know okay okay, so what I felt like I was saying like I'm the Stepford housewife just give me a valium give me a an antidepressant. I thought, gosh, I don't care. I'm, I'm 49. I just don't want to feel like this. Take it away because nothing could take it away. The breathing, the meditation, the walking in the morning, the eating healthy, everything I was trying to do was not working. And I really thought the colourful 90s, which they have been very well documented, caught up with me because my mum used to say to me now Meg Matthews this is really going to catch up with you or this lively living that you're doing throughout the that's 90s. a nice way to describe it isn't it <laughs> well yeah she did yeah she didn't really say that but I wouldn't want to say what she was saying <laughs> oh it's all right you seem to be that's a bit so too crazy. happy you always never seem to go to bed until the next day <laughs> yeah so you know um so all of a sudden I was thinking oh my god maybe this is the 80s, this acid house scene, then the pop scene. Oh my God, I felt colourful life is completely, maybe it's now come out yeah, and yeah. it shattered my nervous system and I'm the one. 10 years later, we don't know. There was no one ever said, you know, if you took ecstasy and you went on the acid house, no one knew what was going to happen. So as well as that, I kept thinking that is what it is. So I was a bit frightened as well, considering thinking they're going to find out what this is. They're going to find out. So... My brain was kept saying, you know, yeah, let's keep going to the doctor, but also at the same time as well, when they gave me the antidepressants and then nothing was working. And I was just like, this is just horrendous. Anyway, as and a recovering now. Got-
0: about antidepressants is they impair your cognitive functioning. You know yeah. they, they actually you know impact in a way they can actually lead to and contribute to brain fog so when you're taking that then you may not be able to think clearly and actually even learn new because we'll talk about it a bit later cbt so antidepressants yeah. can interfere with your ability to switch up of those and, and learn new ways of thinking i think they can work very well to get someone to a certain point yeah but not, you know, yeah forevermore necessary. Yeah. Now, we're
1: not talking clinical depression here. You know, you're talking- No, so no, no, different. not at all. I mean, I was talking because I was just at a place where I needed, needed, I well, I thought I did. And then I went to an AA meeting and I was sharing in this AA meeting and I was just like, you know what? I'm 50 years old. I'm sober and I don't know why I'm sober because I feel like the worst I've ever felt. I can't sleep, I have aching joints, I've got foggy brain, I feel nauseous, I can't leave the house. Why don't I just go and open a bottle of wine? I mean, this is what I feel like. So, you know, and as I left the meeting, this woman came up and she tapped me on the shoulder and she said, Meg, I turned around and she said, you know, what you shared, she said, I think you're going through the menopause. And I was like, oh, you cheeky <laughs> cow. You know, I was just a bit like, "Um," and, and my impression of the menopause is like the golden girls yeah so I have this, this impression of those women that looked a certain way so I was just a bit like but she gave me a number and at this time as well I couldn't even drive my car and this is another thing that I've shared about and people have related to this as well that they've also felt so anxious that they've not been able to The
0: thing um, that you say about driving, actually, in my book, I use that as an example, both from somebody else who just stopped driving. And actually, I did a special episode on long COVID for this podcast with people with long COVID living with brain fog. And a lot of them just stopped driving because they just felt unsafe on the road. Even with me when I had pregnancy brain, because Brain fog can be a consequence of fluctuating hormones, you know, which is yeah. why it affects in menopause, but it can also affect during pregnancy and post-pregnancy and PMT. I definitely had it with PMT as well. But yeah, driving is actually a really complex activity and we kind of do it on autopilot. This part of our brain actually does it for the most yeah. part, but when decisions have to be made, it comes back to the front and this decision-making part, and that's where we fall down and doing silly things, scary things, you know, so... yeah. It's kind of understandable to feel, whoa, I'm not going to Yeah, drive.
1: and especially in London, you know what the traffic is Oh, like. I don't think I you could know, drive in London to, anyway. You have to pull out, go round and round about. I mean, you have to be a force. For nature do you know what I mean yeah and, um, yeah no I, I mean I think it's
0: it's kind of scary at the best of times so did you have hot flushes and those kind of more usual oh, ones you didn't have that those? was one
1: of the things I had no hot
0: flushes oh my god the all. hot flushes were a nightmare for me I had them every 20 minutes to half an hour day and never night. had a
1: hot flush ever. oh my goodness and I but thought it was one of the symptoms
0: and I always thought oh hot flushes what are people talking about you know yes shit, it's like that can't be bad but like hot flushes is a misnomer I mean I would be dripping from my neck down the back of my knees did you ever go you ever go on a holiday you know when you stand up like in a really yeah. hot place and like it's literally running down your stomach running down the back of your yeah. legs and I'd be trying to be in work or up standing trying to give a talk and this would be happening and I would feel like I was going to keel over like really yeah. literally keel over and then the night sweats as well having to change yeah kind of I had the clothes. night
1: sweats and I had the night sweats but um actually when you say that about the leg bit Maybe, I never got the hot flush here, but as you said about the legs, I did used to like, be in restaurants and be sitting down for like a few hours or whatever it is in a restaurant, and nobody else ever seemed to get it. And I used to always think, God, the I'm back soaking. on these PVC soaking, <laughs> and I just think I'm going to get up to go to the loo, and my dress is either going to show these sweat marks, yeah, or my trousers are. But now you have said it, yeah, so back, yeah, yeah, so yeah. No, it's funny. Be a form of it because I would think I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm soaked. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thinking, people think, like, tend to talk about it as sort of from the chest up but I had it everywhere yeah when you talk about it from the bottom downwards I didn't seem to have it here but I definitely now you you say it, it was like I'd be having dinner and then think oh God, my trans, what's any other ladies at this dinner table, you know, i have been moving. I mean, I and have even to Even putting my serviette underneath my, yeah. underneath my, yeah. between my, my gaps of my knees. Or you tried yeah. to cross
0: your legs and that your knees would slip off.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. That's
0: happened so many times. But you know yeah. what, the funny thing is, reading through your book, there were symptoms that I had that I didn't realize were menopause because I have a yeah. few other things going on as well, but there was some, and I learned a new word and this is formication folks. It's not fornication. It's with an M, M for Meg Matthews. <laughs> and actually it means a sensation or a feeling of spiders or ants crawling all over you. Oh my God, I used to get that. It's horrible. And I got a lot of itchy
1: skin and those kind of creepy... Yeah, I mean...
0: Itches on the palms of my hands or the soles. Yeah,
1: I mean, I often catch, like, watch stuff back and I don't even know and I'm like... yeah, here. here yeah. yeah, it seems yeah. To be on the shoulders. Yeah, like doing this. And I look back and I'm like, why am I scratching so much? Yeah, you know, yeah, I, have, like, I
0: actually even have scarring going down now from actually scratching. So yeah, much.
1: I, I would like skin. look actually and look at my legs at night and see and I sort of get up and I look and it looked like I'd been. Yeah you know, ravished by a tiger because it's scratching. And of course, that's that's our
0: um, brain, you know, kind of hyper-responding in some way. Yeah. It's not giving
1: the appropriate response. You found HRT worked very well for you. Amazing for me, which was the body identicals, which is derived from the yam. It's formulated in a laboratory, so it's not bio-identicals. It's body identicals. Okay. So there's a difference. Yeah. There's bio identicals, which cost a lot of money and, you know, very natural, but the body identicals is available on the NHS. That's why I did it because I wanted to do the journey through the NHS because I wanted this to be available to every woman in the country, even though it's hard for a lot of women to get hold of it. But hopefully when they read the book or go on the website, I give good tips. Right, great. Because there's a very small proportion that are able to go privately because a private menopausal gynecologist is 280 pounds a pop, and then you've got your bloods on top. So I did my journey through the NHS, and then I found out Body Identicals was available, and it only cost the NHS Four pounds a month. Wow. That is all that's super costing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So that's for the gel, And then you get the oestrogen progesterone that you pop at night. And then you get testogel, but you have to be referred to a menopause uh, clinic by your GP for the testogel, the testosterone, because your doctor can't give it to you. Because, of course, it wasn't made for a woman, it was made for a man. So they can't prescribe and, it and to the you. And the thing
0: is, you know, men and women have testosterone and Yeah. They- have even
1: more testosterone than they have estriol. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I often say this and everyone goes, What? And yes. I'm like, Yeah, we're twice as much in our twenties. Yeah, yeah, you know? no,
0: absolutely, absolutely. It's 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 far too simplistic to say male hormones and female sex hormones. It's also oversimplistic to call them sex hormones because they're involved yeah. in, in so many other activities. Oh. And I think what people don't realise is that hormones are these general messengers. You have neurotransmitters in your brain which mm-hmm. act very quickly and get you know allow you to speak and talk and move and all those instant yeah whereas hormones are sort of like this longer lasting messaging system that gets the whole body or should if it's working properly the whole body on the same page in terms of, of message. yeah And the thing is, you have testosterone and oestrogen and all those receptors in your brain. So they're involved in in lots of different activities. And that's really evidenced by the fact that there's so many aspects of your body and your functioning can be affected by just a lowering of oestrogen. You know, it's involved in so many aspects. Not everybody can take HRT. A few years before I went to the doctor at all, I mean, you'll know as a woman, sometimes you just feel like yeah. a crazy person going to the doctor with different symptoms. Yeah. You know? Eventually I went because I just couldn't cope anymore. And she put me on a HRT. And within a week, I was like down this black hole of depression. Like I was just, and my father had, it was called manic depression at that time. And I just said, I'm not going there. Sorry, sorry. That's always yeah. one of my big fears. Uh, and so I rang her and she said, come off it straight away. It's a side effect for some yeah.
1: people.
0: So she says, I'm going to send you to a gynecologist because you need to figure out what to do. So he had- yeah. You went the, and you talk about this in your, uh, or one of your experts talk about this, I can't remember which, which one, you might remember the name, but she talks about the vasomotor symptoms, which are those, you know, the sweating, and I was actually prescribed clonidine which is a mm-hmm. vasosuppressor it's actually a blood pressure drug. So rather than yeah. working on my hormones, what it did was it dampened down the mechanism, you know, the flushing, yeah. the blood pressure itself. So it didn't work brilliantly, but it worked quite well. You know, it made yeah. them less awful. But then after a couple of years, it sort of stopped working and I went to the gynae and I eat, persuaded me to try a different HRT, a synthetic one. And he said, oh, you won't get depressed, you won't get depressed, please just try it for six weeks. And of course, Idiot tried it for six weeks. Within 10 days, I'd gained over a stone. I have an autoimmune disease called Sjogren's. Oh my God, the pain that came back at fibromyalgia. I couldn't walk, I couldn't think straight. I should have just rung him after a week, but he had just said to me, try it for six weeks. Um, and I, when I went back into it, he went, oh my God, what am I- I always say this? like six weeks. Oh, he just said, oh, my God, what did I do yeah. to you? You were a different woman. And I went to my rheumatologist who said,
1: he should have known not to interfere with your hormones oh,
0: because yeah. it will kick you off again. Oh. Anyway, anyway. Um, but that's just sort of, Ill- for, for anybody out there, you know, who sort of feels they've tried yeah. it and it hasn't worked. It, it doesn't work for everybody. But when it does yeah. work, it can work amazingly. And, you know, it may be a case of, And this is not my area of expertise. This is me just talking as a human being. You know, I think it's got to be trial and error till you find what what works right for you. Yeah, agree. And I think books like this are incredibly helpful in that regard because you really do cover that broad space spectrum of things and approaches. And one thing that I really do like is you're so fearless. It's great. Uh, <laughs> you know, your complete honesty about your own experience. Uh, we have dry vaginas. The whole lot is all in there. But I'm really, I suppose, because of my area of interest in particular, but you do talk about, yes, the dryness and issues with sex. And I will come to that before we finish. But you talk about brain fog and mm. the mental issues you had. And I think there really are taboo, particularly as women. And now we're in this sort of... of what they call the sandwich generation. You know, we're going through menopause while we're trying to hold down careers, put kids through Mm. university and possibly look after aging parents with dementia or whatever. And we're just pulled to all ankles. And we're also dealing with all this change in our body. That in itself is kind of enough to put your brain under stress. But I think a lot of women, certainly myself, when my own mum had dementia. And so when I felt that my brain had just really slowed and wasn't working quite, quite well I mean for my history working in soap I had an incredible memory because you just had to take in tons of script yeah spew it out then I went to university and it's so funny (laughs) being a soap actor helped me get a grades in university because a huge amount that photographic memory I could just I was well tuned to just taking loads of stuff information in holding on to it and spewing it out and it really did you know and I I mean my daughter <laughs> that's exactly of, the same as her. yeah that 's one of the things why I kind of think you sort of said earlier, and it was something that kind of resonated with me. You said that you know you 've gone on shows with all these experts etc, et etc, cetera, et cetera, and, and there 's me with you know what do I know and, and to yeah. say and I kind of felt like that for years that if I was in a room with people who 'd been to university and had doctoral degrees and were doctors and everything i 'd have opinions, but you 'd be afraid to voice them in case they were a bit rubbish. And in case yeah. they, you just assumed they all knew something more than you, having gone to university at 42 and then having done a PhD, I can tell you <laughs> that there's <laughs> no special magic there. You know what you have, what you learn through life, raising kids, going through marriages, divorces, you know, just living is much harder than doing any degree, number one. Yeah. Number two, the knowledge and the wisdom that you gain just for living is so much more yeah. valuable in a way than from books. And I would kind of really say, it's a, I'm passionate about lifelong learning. I think people should, but it doesn't have to be academic, you know, learn a bloody instrument if you want, or carpentry, what, yeah. whatever, but keep your brain active. But I really would love to sort of say to people, don't be intimidated because people went to university. They most probably learned stuff off by heart spewed it out in an exam they may not even have understood it and you might actually have much more insightful stuff or even if you say something stupid it can spark a conversation that sparks innovation and ideas and I did read another interview where you had talked about and you obviously love animals and you've been an animal rights advocate as well and you had said, you know, you would have liked to have been a vet at some point. And I think the interviewer said to you, oh, well, well, go for it. Go be a vet. And you actually, I think your response was, oh, I wouldn't be intelligent enough. And I just want to smack you for saying
1: that. <laughs> you, you are. Oh. Yes.
0: No, you are Thank more you than intelligent saying, yeah. enough. But I do think you found your Meg Mojo here with the menopause yeah. thing, you know, and, yeah. and stick with that. I think you're doing an amazing job on that. With regard to the taboo I just mentioned about the brain fog and you had sleep issues and they all kind of contribute. Mm-hmm to that what can we do to get people talking more about it one thing you've done in the book that I really like is throughout the book folks when you read it as well it's lovely I really got great comfort out of this you have lots of very famous people with their quotes about Mm. menopause Kim Cattrall and Angelina uh,
1: Jolie yes
0: yes. what what I've been surprised about is I'm going is she menopause oh my god I didn't know know. we all did that I know <laughs> oh, but you have one for Davina McCall. And this is yeah. just me quoting her. And she says, forgetfulness and fogginess were torture. Sometimes my kids would look at me as if to say, who are you and what have you done with our mother? Now, I know in my own book, I've written that so many people have said to me, and I felt it myself, that with brain fog, you lose yourself. Well, who, yeah. who am I
1: anymore? And it's, yeah. it's really scary. Yeah. Did you find that? Yeah, no, I mean, I would... Um just forget like things that you take for granted. So like, you know, daughter's birthday, you know, 27th of January, 2000, that second to have to think about it makes you think that might be going a bit mad. Mm. And this is the first time that I used to sort of put things down to my mum, Like, Where'd I put the car keys? Yeah. Um, and I was always think that was always my mum going out the house. Where was her purse? Where was the car keys? And I remember standing at the door thinking, oh, here we go. She yeah. can't remember where she's put anything. And then I would be the same. You know, where's this and where's that? And at that moment, it is a little bit like, oh. This
0: Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend.
1: In the beginning, you don't really notice it. I just used to think, oh, what you know, just me. It's just me. Like, I'd always say I'm so clumsy, you know. Yes. And They're clumsiness is a words. symptom
0: of brain fog. Yes.
1: So, clumsiness Could is a you? brain fog issue. A lot of people don't realize yeah. that. Yeah. Bumping into things, <clears throat> yeah. missing things, you know. And when these things are all happening to you, it's not until... It triggers, and when it triggers, it's quite frightening. Mm. It's like, you know, because then before I just laugh it off, I'd always be laughing, like, oh God, I'm so clumsy. Oh my gosh, I'm so this. But then all of a sudden, it's like, no, this mm. isn't, this is. This is I'm something a bit worried different. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm a bit worried. And then when you start to worry about something, you know, I thought, oh my god, I'm getting dementia. Yeah. my mum had dementia. My mum also had mine. You know, she yeah, died. Yeah. So my mum died um, in a hospice of so dementia and osteoporosis and was bed bound for two years. Yeah. So that's another thing with osteoporosis. That's why I'm so passionate about it because I got diagnosed at 48. You know, but know, you've reversed some got, of that through lifestyle, yeah, which I've is fantastic. It and you have to take that in Western in, medicine, yeah, in the book, you, the
0: drug. you have to read that, and that is why it's really important to get bone density yeah. and those kind of things tested. Because here's the thing, as well the relationship where people often don't see these things. And you'll know with your mom, like you'll often hear people saying with an older person falling, and they'll say, Oh, they fell, and then after that fall, they just went downhill. But falling increases your risk of developing dementia, yeah. You know, and the frailty so like that's what i just say to women you have got to exercise you have got to do your exercise but you've got to do your strength exercise and your balance
1: exercise because you've got to keep those bones and muscles in really good health skeletal is looking after every muscle your skeletal is holding everything together and it's so important and For me being diagnosed with osteoporosis at 48 and I accidentally fell, I was climbing on a three meter wall and I fell backwards. I was trying to break in my house. i left the back door open for the time. And I was no, I wasn't actually at all. I was just like, I just, that's a rude I don't question. I just, but... <laughs> just, no, I wasn't. i was just thinking back in from Sunday lunch. And Anais decided to go back into town and go shopping. And we only had one set of keys. I was also thinking, you know, I've done this jump so many times. I used to jump up, pull myself up over the, which wall, is pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. Which is hard, but this time I just didn't have the body strength, and that was another thing, which was like, oh. And I fell backwards, and I put this arm down. And it just went like that. But of course, when I went to the, the hospital, I didn't say, I just fell off a three meter ward. I said, I tripped over. And of course they said, Oh, tripped over, broke your wrist. We're we'll yeah, sending you for a the DEXA force. scan. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, the DEXA scan. And I was like, Oh, what's a DEXA scan? And they were like, your bone density. And I said, like, well, I don't really need, my mum has that done. And she's like 72. And they went, no, we're going to send you for a Dex scan Anyway, came back, full on osteoporosis yeah. in the red. And wow. I was 48 years old. And then this image went back to my mum who had died like three, four years beforehand. And hers was from a fall of her fracture her spine which meant that it just sort of just crumbled and her ankle and then being bed bound and just the dementia and then just giving in really because she couldn't really move and I just had to watch her waste away to yeah. about five stone oh it's and- awful
0: yeah yeah People don't realize that with dementia, you I mean, you know, skin and bone in the end and you can't eat yeah. or swallow or any no, of anything. No. And I should and, say to people as well, it's not just your bones either. Cause I have a little bit of bone wasting, but I have it in my jaw. So I'm at the risk of losing my teeth. I don't want to lose my teeth. You
1: no, know? I've got one tooth missing there. No, I have it up here as I'm well. up here. Well. Up here yeah, mine's yeah. down there. So that's another thing. Actually, yeah. I'm doing that in March. I'm doing a whole thing on gums because I didn't really used to look after my teeth that well. Yeah. You know, I just used to brush them. Yeah, yeah. I never flossed. Yeah. I mean, Americans, we know. I think Americans floss. Oh. British people just never floss. Yeah. And yeah. now I know how important it is to floss twice a day. And with me... And do you manage the twice opposite, a day?
0: I struggle as well. I go
1: through no, things. No, I struggle. Really I, respect, it, no. And then I just, it just goes. And then, yeah, but I'll always I brush know. them. Crossing just seems like oh here we go yeah. It's just too many um, teeth. (gasps) I know you're there for like ages, aren't you? (laughs) Doing? doing I just don't have the patience for (laughs) it. And the brushes, but you know, even though when I lost this, it was a crown, and then they said to me it was the bone density. So they said you can't even have an implant, and I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of scary like, that you feel that sinking yeah. feeling. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you know, dentures here we come. You oh, know, no. and, and I'm like, wow, I'm going to be 55 in March, and then it starts to affect everything. And this is why, knowledge is power. Yeah. I really believe, and yeah. that's why I wanted young women to know that perimenopause, even from like your early 40s, which I think back to the way that I drank and the way that I did stuff. I remember like my cycle was never. Had like you know, I had PMS for like a week where I would like want to eat loads of chocolate and stab my boyfriend. I often, you know, but I would scream at my children
0: as well, which was just awful yeah so you have I, the pms used, uh, the red and actually you describe having that in terms of you know you'd go over the top if your daughter's bedroom
1: was in a mess yeah like, you know? like it's just that, yeah. that's
0: irritability and that's your brain it, it kind of yeah, it, can't it would breath. love oh. an
1: excuse but it was like coming out the bedroom i've been looking for an excuse you know the dishes left in the sink and the bedroom a mess and trainers by the front door you know anything Then would just leave me to just go Wow, that's the thing about this whole you know when you put it under the brain fog thing
0: is and you you said it too I only realised when I kind of came out the other side you mentioned it there someone cracked a joke your partner cracked a joke about your inability to talk very well or something like that (laughs) you know you lost your sense of humour and it was only when I came out the other side that I realised oh my god I lost my sense of humour for a few years I just didn't really see the funny side of anything you know and that It's critical for your joy of living, but it's also like laughter and smiling are nature's natural stress buster. So if if you're not laughing and smiling, your stress is building up. Stress.
1: Yeah. And that's the other thing. That natural joy had gone. You know, the one from here, from within your heart, that one that you really just get from there. A good belly laugh. When you're going through this, I was like, wow, when's the last time I properly... Yeah. had a good belly laugh yeah. because everything was just trying to hold myself together that there wasn't a point where I was just like oh yeah. I'm just still fine just it wasn't overload. like that for you yeah yeah, yeah. it's it
0: just absolute overload I just kind of want to move on because first of all it was in a context because CBT cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. is something that you went through taking you on your journey to sobriety but yeah. it's something that and you can work with a specialist. But what I really like in the book is you say, look, CBT is something that you can do
1: for yourself. So with the CBT, I actually swapped that to tapping. Okay. So when I was doing the book, you have to remember I wrote this book like two to three years ago. Right. (laughs) Anyway, so basically I love CBT and you can definitely get it on the NHS and you can definitely teach yourself with it. The thing I'm into now is, I'm going to take about it because this is really working for me at the moment. Is a tapping. Okay. Either you have, um, you can have an elastic band here that you flick. So for me, when I'm getting quite anxious, I can tap certain parts of me. Yeah. And it calms me down. So for me, this is my new thing at the moment. So I'll have to update my website. (laughs) My thing is all about tapping because it's quite amazing that the way that it works and you have like different acupuncture points and you tap away and it can bring me down like... With the changing breath, as my breathing as well, if I'm feeling that I'm getting a bit over or a bit hyper, because with my ADHD, I'm yeah, also I guess so. I like was so just say,
0: it's a combination of tapping, yeah, yeah. So the tapping I will have work with the anxiety, so and for me, with the ADHD, I can see how that would sort of calm your system down and get you grounded, yeah. and get you in the moment in a way that trying to meditate probably wouldn't because of your tendency to be see, that doesn't. So, this yeah. is harnessing your desire to move, but actually giving you something to focus on essentially what it's doing is putting you right in the present connecting with your body because your latest quote on your website is something that i always say to people never too far forward and never too far back so i think you in the now yeah in the now so you have a quote about if you're caught in the past you know that's often depression and guilt and all that and then the future it's anxiety about things that may never happen folks but but being in the moment is the best antidote to that so i think this tapping probably does that i will just briefly yeah. talk about the C B T myself just to sort yeah, of say you can to talk about the C B T that you know, people often forget that thinking is a behavior and you're yeah. totally in control of what you think. And you do have a really nice section in the book where it helps bring people down from those escalating thoughts. Like we were talking about, I was worried I might be getting dementia. For years, I've directed a dementia research program. I understand dementia. I know a lot about it and I know what can be confused with it. But I still had that nagging, nagging, nagging. Yeah. You know, And I went and I went to a neurologist and I had my scan and I did all that sort of thing to kind of just get rid of that nagging And then also, you know, I think there's mentioned in the books from one of your experts, you know, that perfectionist thinking that we have to be perfect and we have to get right and there's no Mm. point doing it unless we can do it brilliantly. And they're just all thought processes and we can change those. And I think acknowledging and spending some time with yourself around your thoughts around menopause and actually really questioning them. And Meg's book will help you to do that in that flipping them up to more positives will really change the whole experience in a way because a part of the menopause as well is you start to discount the positives. You just really focus on those negatives. One name I do remember is Dawn Breslin and she has a harmonizing alignment approach. And it's very similar to what I would recommend to people to do, you know, and one of those things has four pillars but like one of those as I say to people is you got to find your joy what brings yes. you joy what is that thing that you just lose yourself in fact I say you lose yourself to find yourself but you just lose track of time you're just
1: so yeah what you're doing that's bliss yeah that's, really, that's really, so yeah. bliss yeah. yeah I love yeah. that feeling I'm in that when I'm like shopping terrible for that but I even <laughs> just like looking at the clothes I'm yeah but in fairness in you're,
0: you're a designer you know at heart you're creative that's not shopping in a way for the sake of shopping no that's feeding your creativity that's different yeah yeah because I think some people shop to feel better I think that's very different to looking at clothes and designs and how you might put that together and yeah yeah, that's true actually I do think that's kind of different one is good for you one's not I love as well because I really believe this and I really believe with aging (laughs) I certainly feel much more comfortable in my own skin now you know your 20s are really tough turning 30 is probably one of the toughest decades after that you know you start to go why am I sweating the small stuff yeah for me as well I said this to my husband and I've said this on the podcast before and it made him feel utterly depressed where it actually (laughs) made me feel inspired was i realized i'm 58 now so i realized are you oh my god you look amazing
1: (laughs) never know that you're 58 oh god thank you but uh, anyway
0: (laughs) yes i'm 58 and actually a few years ago i've just jumped at me one day you know i've lived more than i've left to live girl you gotta get your act together you've been through far more than you have and i said that to my husband (laughs) You went around in a terrible state of depression. I'd never thought of that before. That's a horrible thought. <laughs> Whereas I see it as a real empowering thought. Get up off your yeah. ass, girl, and go. And you describe the menopause that way. It kicked you into reinvention and stopping yeah. and, and taking a, a look. And I like what you say, you know, feel free and refreshed and it's like a post-menopausal zest. I love that. Yeah. That I mean, I had
1: a tattoo tattooed on my face. Yes. Let me see. Yeah. I was wondering about yeah. that there is it there, is oh, it there? Goodness. yeah it's so definitely. I had I mean I've got lots I mean I've got hundreds of tattoos everywhere yeah. they're on my neck they're everywhere but I did a heart on my face like 50 50 I was just like right okay there's no turning back now I'm going to do the thing that no one would ever do. I'm going to tattoo on my face. <laughs> it is very tiny want... and discreet, folks. <laughs> yeah, Yes, it is. It's not that big. But it was a bit like, right, you know, we're moving forward now. And actually, there's no use hanging on to trying to be because you know I just remember if you ever get a tattoo what would you look like my mom and dad walking down the aisle with a big tattoo on your back or whatever because you'd be wearing a wedding dress well I never wore a wedding dress or wore a white suit so yeah. but you know that was and you can rock you a white trouser suit like nobody yeah. else <laughs> thank you so I was a bit like yeah you know, there's just no going back. And I just thought, you know what? You really got to embrace this because you either go two ways. Because I found in my 40 to 45, you sort of turned 40 and I was like, wow, I feel good and I look good yeah. at 40. Then when I turned fifty, I was still like, "Wow, I feel good at 50. It's like fifty-four, and then I mean, you're fifty-eight. But yeah, like when yeah. you turn fifty, that's nothing. I tried to say people that turning fifty. Yeah, because I'm kind of going. It, I did
0: that everything. It is. was nothing, you know. When you have this fifty birthday. 16. I'm going to be fifty-nine yes. in June. Like, but you know what? Fuck it. It's just a number. Yeah, it, it doesn't really matter. Just it's a it's number, number, and I it, refuse to buy into these ages. Um, it's just I'm really passionate about it. Ages and Meg you know it's everywhere, and it's no wonder that women feel so bad about ourselves. Everywhere you go, you walk in, how not to look like me? Yes, you know, as if there's something wrong with you. Now, yes, look, I buy into it. I get my hair coloured. I was really, really dark. I have to go blonde because I look like a crazy woman if I actually colour my hair the colour it used to be. But I started to get grey hair in my twenties when I had my first kid. When you're dark, that can kind of happen. But I'm supposed to be, and I think that's what you were sort of trying to say in terms of the. Girls, to me, a menopausal woman that I had in my head was someone that was very sort of round and buxom and yeah, and wearing those, you know, yeah. into the flat shoes. Now, I have flat shoes on today, so do I, enough,
1: <laughs> but mine are dark. yeah, and yeah, and I've got big boots, so yeah, I'm they're cool, yeah, 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 and I'll never kind of give those. we not going to give, it. we're not mean you're going to be wearing those kitten heel belly pumps. You know, oh my God. Well, I'm a Gemini, so my
0: wardrobe looks like it belongs to several different people because I have got yeah. yeah. Monkey stuff and the stuff that I like wearing and my cash stuff. Yeah. During the day, but then when I give a lot of talks and I'm doing a lot of them online now, i wear LK Bennett or whatever, nice structured dress, yeah. dress, classic, and high heels, and that just makes yeah. me confident when I'm giving. It yeah, time. of course it does. You know, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and I do that, so I have kind of lots of different things. But I'm not going to conform to any of those things. And one of the talks I give is around aging and attitude to aging. And here's the thing: people who have negative perceptions of aging perform more poorly on memory tests and cognitive tests. But they. Oh wow so people with positive attitudes to aging live on average 7 years longer than people with negative attitudes to aging like wow. it, attitude matters and it's one of the reasons i think that younger people need to read your book also younger yeah. women to kind of get that sense of yeah. You know what? The menopause can be really, really shitty. I wish I'd seen your book before it. And I'm only learning kind of things myself for the yeah. post-menopause, the things that, because you, you still have things to deal with after that. Yeah. Yeah. But the point is, aside from that, the you, the person, whatever that is, and that's something that I'm really interested in, it really is a rejuvenation. You just feel different and focused. And I'd love young women to understand that, that actually life really, in a way, gets
1: better. Yeah, 100%. Because that's why, for me, from being in such a bad place, that I decided to just to go out there and use this platform because I was just like, Once I knew what was going on because I was so angry with the world for not giving me this knowledge and for letting me lose four or five years of my life to something that every single woman in the world is going to go through, whether it's good or bad, we know that like 20% of women will leave their jobs, 90% of women will have some symptoms of one or another. So I was angry and that's why I wanted to come out and use my celebrity platform and be the one who was going to say, you know, I split up with my partner over intimacy because I lost my libido. I put on weight. I couldn't leave the house. I had anxiety. I was overwhelmed. All the things that were embarrassing to talk about that we didn't want to speak up about, mental health issues, loss of libido, feeling less than all this stuff that was going on and I just thought you know what if I'd been prepared for this and it had and that's why I'm so happy that it's now this September it's in the school curriculum in the UK really? at last yes wow. it's been by parliament passed it that it's in school curriculum so you get perimenopause menopause and postmenopause Excellent. it doesn't just stop yeah, maybe women's, you need to do that for Ireland. Yes, women's rights yes. organisations are very empowering for women. But
0: I, I have frequently been there and I can't help but see that the focus is on reproductive rights, on child care, yeah. on all those health issues. And, and I'm constantly saying, well, what about us? I am a woman yeah. too. I matter. Osteoporosis is a huge issue. Midlife issues, menopause, dementia affects women much more than it affects men. What? Um, yeah about us. In a way, I want to shake up some of the women's rights organizations. Yeah. And I've been at events where they say, "Oh, it's so wonderful to see so many young women here." And I want to scream, "Excuse me, yeah. I'm an older woman, and I'm here, and I'm at just as much value." Yeah. And I, you, you in a way make me feel even less of a woman. That already society sort of, you know, there's the barren woman, and that you know you can't have yeah. kids anymore, and you know, yeah. you know you're dried up and you're shriveled. Yeah, and, all that. All that is in your head as well. Feeling unattractive, the loss of libido—I definitely had that. Like I couldn't. Care. Yeah, I did yes. as well. And it's very hard. I what couldn't. I what I like about your book is, and, and I didn't realise that. I mean, I knew that could happen, but when it happened, in a way, if I'm honest,
1: like I would just you say, don't oh, notice I just it not. happens, do you? No, really? I just You're just not. So interested. one day goes into two weeks, yeah. into three weeks, into yeah. six months, and then all of a sudden, you're a bit like, oh. I haven't actually had sex for 6 months. Oh gosh. You yeah. know, so it's not something like you think, oh my god, it's just gone. It's no, just, no, no. It's it's, it's it a great But it's just yeah, a lack of something. It, it it's very yeah. it, it's
0: not most of your symptoms with menopause are added on this is a loss which is very strange and also really it's strange in your in your head and also what I love about your book is you have a chapter for partners for them to understand because I think it's very hard you said you lost your partner thankfully you know my husband stayed with me but going through his head well well, do you not love me anymore the news folks is that it can come back (laughs) yes and it does come come back and actually I do want you know I love in this book how you talk so so honestly and openly about masturbation. I never knew
1: that. You have said that. You you can keep it going. Yeah. So basically, Dr. Sarah Matthews was just like, so Meg, whenever you do, you know, this is my gynecologist. I was like, what? She said, are you having sex? I said, no. I said, me and my partner, we split up. She was just like, look, I'm just telling you, do not let it go. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, you have to keep it going. And I was like, what? She goes, I'm telling you, you need to masturbate. You need to masturbate. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, two or three times a week, mate. just keep the wheels going, (laughs) whatever it takes. You know, a Jilly Cooper book, whatever gets you going. And I was just thinking, great, you know, watch a bit of erotic. And there is erotic sites, you know, not like porn sites, but, you know, like Cosmopolitan and magazines like that do the top 10 erotic sites or whatever. So whatever it takes... And it is really important because when you do go into the menopause as well, when you stop having sex, is probably like anything, you know, we used to say when I was younger, when, you know, you'd finish with a boyfriend and you'd go, oh, I haven't had sex for ages. But, you know, once you haven't had it for like two or three weeks, you're like, oh, you don't miss what you're not getting. Yeah. But the thing is, it's harder to climax when you're in the menopause as well. That's another reason. Another new so, piece of information that I didn't get. Yeah, we was, know that you know, scientifically it's harder to these, climax. These are fabulous com- Comforting pieces of information for people to use. And don't be embarrassed about, you know, buying a bullet or whatever. I mean, I'm going to bring out this amazing sex range of toys. They're coming out in April and really gone in there and tried them and looked <laughs> for the women and their you know, amazing set of I great, a piece great in ones. I a, loved
0: a piece in your book because you have to remember I come from very narrow-minded Ireland <laughs> and would have been at 58 brought up, you know, where actually I think masturbation is still a sin in the Catholic Church. I'm not a Catholic, but I was I raised think that it way. I think might be actually. Yeah, yeah, think, I'm yeah. not a Catholic, but I was raised that way. So, so those things for us even over here, younger women yeah. are, are much better. But if you talk about women my age, You said that you were surprised to meet women who said they've never masturbated, you know? And I mean, that's actually not surprising here in the way we were brought up. But also you open talking about the use of sex toys and
1: I love (laughs) to try it on your nose. No, I know. (laughs) These products I made from the start, you know what I mean? It wasn't like I was the face of. I put every ingredients together, the packaging together. It was everything that I could not find where I went into a chemist, I couldn't find an intimate wash that was vegan and natural and I couldn't find a balm and I couldn't find a lubricant. And I wanted something that was next to my bed with teenagers that would come in that didn't say, K-Y jelly or Durex yeah. on it. I needed something. It just looked like a hand lotion next to the bed. and was very pretty. And the same in my shower. The reason I did my intimate washes because everything was like, veggie fresh or femme fresh. Yeah. And to I mean, me, yeah. I never even knew what that was. I thought that was for women. Had smelly vaginas. Yeah. I did all my life through my twenties, thirties. Used to see that in the chemist. I thought that was for women that had problems. I never knew it was anything to do with a And pH also, balance. like a douche, one of those. Is am I
0: saying that right? Yeah. But well, when I was growing douche, up, yeah. douchebag was a, like a horrible named yeah, a name to call. There's all those kind of things, sort of in there. And, know, and yeah. I, I had a revelation. One thing I do when I'm doing my talks is I say, look, we brush our teeth every day, but we don't pay attention to our brain. You need to have a brain health. Yes. But actually, you opened my eyes here as well in this regard, in that, you know, you moisturize your face every day. But yeah. I actually never thought about moisturizing my vagina. Your vagina, you know? I know. No. And the thing is, a lot of us, myself included, I have a, a episiostomy. It's funny. I didn't yeah. realize, but I have noticed that scar. Lately, yeah, I can sort of feel it again. This is probably very, very uh, intimate. But anybody who's had an yeah. asked me, will know that after you've given birth, you can feel that scar for quite some time. Yeah, after. of course it's you pregnant. can. Yes, and it's tighter yeah. and, and tighter. You yeah, I when know. You're having uh, yeah, having I've got yeah. Yeah. That's something that can happen actually then when you go to menopause because uh, there's the loss of moisturizer that can start to feel tighter.
1: And you can feel that again, like a scar almost going kind of... Because it's... Exactly. Because, you know, like as a baby girl, um, your vulva is very plump, the same as our faces are. And then as we get older, our vulva gets thinner and thinner. And that's why, you know, loads of women, we get UTIs, we get, you know, infections because the plumpness isn't there anymore. Yeah. It's like the outside of the lips, they're not as plump, so they're not as protective. You've just reminded me as well. <laughs> Meg <laughs> does say, right, she tries everything. She has tried all sorts, everything. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, and you actually went, though, for a vaginal rejuvenation.
1: Yes, I did, yes. What does that involve? So basically, so basically what it is is, I went to Dr. Sarah Matthews in the Portland Hospital. Is this for women that have given birth and for women in the menopause? So it goes right the way along. So basically, it's like. Um, Is it like
0: a filler for like, your face?
1: No, oh. there's no injections. It's just a heat. It's where they put like a cold gel on and then there's a probe. And it goes in and out and around. And basically it makes all the collagen. So it plumps back up like right, you do okay. on your face with these different machines. But they do it down there. So it basically helps your pelvic floor. Okay. And then also it plumps everything up again. So it brings all the collagen and all the blood supply. So what happens is, of course, all this blood supply goes to your clitoris and everything starts and the probe and it's hot and it's warm. (laughs) So I had to have my girlfriend on there with me, with the nurse, because I was like, so there was three of us in the room. So I didn't feel so one-to-one because yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is. you're very holding the thing going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, <laughs> oh my gosh, like this. And it's about 40 minutes and so, it's so one you, a month. You just did your Meg Ryan? Meg Ryan, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so we, we just go. Had yeah. a, Hallie, a Harry Meg Matthews McSally. version,
0: but this time for <laughs> the Harry just, uh, Yeah. You-
1: yeah. But um, But it really worked. I mean, I looked because I just, you know, lots of women do not look at their vaginas. I think if you can get in front of a mirror and have a look and see what you've got there and what your vagina looks like in your vulva and, you know, because there's also five different cancers. It's not just a variant, so you should, you know, just always keep an eye on it as well. Because the other word, which is vaginal atrophy, yeah, is a new word as well. That when they took my coil out, she said to me, "Oh, you've got white skin," and I just said, "Yeah, I know. I've had thrush for like a month. I've been using canesten." She said, "Oh no, that's not thrush." She said, "That's the start of vaginal atrophy." Well, then when I went and typed in vaginal atrophy, I was like, "Oh my god." that is horrendous. I mean, it literally is, you know, wasting painful. Atrophy means wasting. Yeah, and women, you can't wear a pair of jeans, people can't even sit down. I mean, the horror stories. And Jane Lewis, if anyone is suffering, has written a really good book on vaginal atrophy. And what they gave me was like the doctor just said, here's some cortisone cream. And I was like, what am I putting cortisone cream on my vagina? So I couldn't really get my head around that because that's like a steroid. Yeah. But that's another reason why then I started to really think, oh my God, I'm just using my normal shower gel and I'm scrubbing my body and I'm scrubbing my vagina and under my arms. And I'm like, I have to look after this. I don't use my shower gel on my face. Yeah, You know, I don't scrub with my shower gel. My shower gel goes up to my neck and then I have a nice facial wash for my face and a nice moisturizer for my face, which is so much more. And it's this and it hasn't got that in it. And that's when I was like, right, I need to look after my vagina as I look after my face because it's so important. Because all this was with me at 50. Yeah, so people and women
0: particularly have been forgetting about their brains and their vaginas. So we're, Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we have to bring, bring it all in. All in together. Um, yeah. I always look when I'm reading a book I love reading the dedications and the acknowledgments and the dedications in yours because I think it actually tells an awful lot about the authors and the writers and their lives and their support systems and I think one really important way to get through the menopause I mean this podcast is about surviving and thriving in life and I mean you've shown in lots of ways and I I will touch on one other way yeah with managing sobriety while going through the menopause as well is pretty incredible but you've actually gone on to thrive. You've taken what was a really in terms of the menopause a really difficult point in your life and you've now turned it into yeah. you're an entrepreneur, you've written a book and you're passionate about it and I think that's a fab way to turn difficult challenges into something positive. Yeah. But we can never do any of these things without support systems. And you no. have listed you you look like you're very fortunate. You have quite a few you have Oscar I believe was a dog you used to have. Yes, I know. Yeah heartbreaking ziggy i had the pleasure of meeting he's out and then you actually mention neely moore pippi lala steve hyde yeah
1: amazing that you have such support i have to say i'm very heavy but i do as well oh no but then even better and then in the back bit i have another little bit which oh where's it gone i think i put it on my last page I say thank you to my local health center. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You also actually say that the book is dedicated to the light of your life,
0: Anais. And I have to say in my research, I went to have a little look, you know, it's a picture of her and she's absolutely stunning and beautiful. But I ended up going down a rabbit hole of looking at pictures of her with you and her with her dad. and it is Oh my God. But (laughs) it is incredible when she's with her dad. She is the spit of her dad. When she's with day. you, she is the image of you. Yeah, it's it quite is, mad, isn't, isn't it? it? And I kept going, No, maybe it's just that photo. And I just go, No. You, no. She, is yeah. that, you know, that yeah, perfect sort of.
1: Per- yeah, a real half and half.
0: half, and half. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And I have purposely avoided mentioning your former husband because I am. Absolutely hate when inspirational women who've achieved so much in their own right are defined and described by who they were married to at one point in their life. I will mention them because I do want to ask one question. You can now. Thank you because, you know, it's It's now. So you were, of course, married to Noel Gallagher
1: of Oasis and really during the height of. Yeah, oh, okay. I remember coming on the Late Late Show. Actually, oh, really? Even in the nineties, yeah, when you had the guy with the grey hair. What's his name? Yeah, yeah, it? he passed away in the last year. Yeah, yeah, gay burn. Yeah, I came on with him. I think in like that 1998. Yeah, so, I mean yeah. it was incredible. It was huge in Ireland. Yeah, and yeah. you know what?
0: I wouldn't. Sorry, Noel, but I wouldn't have been a particular Oasis fan. But I knew yeah. lots about you. Yeah. And, you know, and the the Appletons, and you know, there was kind of a little gang yeah. of you that were just yeah. I never saw you as, you know, the girlfriends of. You had a strength of your own, yeah. you know. Uh, but unfortunately, press like to often put women yeah, in that no, secondary yeah. position. Did. They did. But in one interview that I read, it kind of jumped out at me as something that I would have found quite challenging obviously divorce in and of itself it's it's a huge challenge to come out and also you've obviously done a wonderful job in terms of your daughter uh, with both of you it just seems like it's a really healthy yeah she is I'm very lucky yeah yeah, starting on her own career and that's what I was going to ask you another thing around the menopause that is so difficult is then your kids (laughs) up and leave but she's still living the
1: moment. no no she's not she's (laughs) moved out yeah she moved on the 5th of January she oh, moved just this out. year oh did you cry yeah. did you cry 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 no yes no I, no no <laughs> no and you're so no close to her it. because do you know what I think it is I think because she went to boarding school ah oh, right okay. she really wanted to go to boarding school and I wanted her to go to boarding school because I'm an only child and I went to boarding school outside of Oxford and okay. it was the best thing that I ever did because you got another family, so to speak. Another family. I was uh learn everything. I met amazing people. It was the best thing. So as Aeneas being an only child and living in the centre of London, I wanted her to go to boarding school and Life. I didn't make job to persuade her. She was like I read Mallory Towers and was like, yeah, I wanna yeah. do that. I wanna be Mallory Towers. And I gave Aeneas Mallory Towers and she was exactly the same. So I think that's why it wasn't so much of a shock, because she was a weekly boarder, so she'd go Monday mornings and come back Friday. And that's the so nicest kind of boarding really, isn't it? It's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's just days. like a working week, yeah. And then also, she was in on her second year of uni. She also moved out she's at Camberwell School of Art. So she'd already moved out then with her friends. So she was already in a house with four friends. But then, of course, she only did a few months, and then it was lockdown, so she came home. Right. And then also, she has a boyfriend. Her boyfriend lives on a farm in Dorset. And she spent a lot of time there as well. Okay. So so you were kind of used she, to it. Yeah. So it's, it, it, I'm quite is- sort of used to it. I miss her like mad, but it's not like I'm like... Um, you know the house is like so you didn't get you didn't sort of get that empty nest thing I got the empty Um, nest syndrome and it's so weird because my PA this morning when we were about to talk about things she wrote on there empty home she actually wrote (laughs) empty home syndrome and I was like she said look right now she went you know it's not uh, empty it's full of you and full of your personality load." no she said things you should talk about the planet Meg sustainability and she said maybe she about empty home syndrome and I went well I don't I haven't got that no you
0: don't seem she to said, have well, and I baby, don't I don't have it anymore I'm loving it that again is those kind of things they're transition periods you know but I mean yeah. I cried my eyes out because my son's boyfriend my youngest guy's boyfriend moved in with us when he was about 19 um, right. and his parents didn't accept yeah so, yeah so he lived with us for four or five years before they got married then they got married yeah and they stayed living with us for a while and then they moved out. And so I lost yeah. two at once. And oh, like yeah. they were great because they used to do cooking and help with washing and ironing. And yeah. I, mean, I cried and cried and cried. Yeah, so I really struggled. But then when they bought an apartment, they moved back in for a little bit. And I was like, When are they moving back out again? Yes. <laughs> used
1: to yeah you, yeah. Face, you know. A you space. really do. Yeah. It's kind of I mean, transition. Yeah, it is. But also, I've got to say, my daughter, she's only um by car she's 10 minutes away from me uh, yeah so it's nearby. well Mike <laughs> sure even through. more in lockdown we're restricted
0: to 5k so they're still within that they yeah. live in the city centre and I live just out you know, yeah, so you can just walk I, there, yeah. My other son, he's a doctor now and he's down in a hospital down in the Midlands. And that's kind of been a bit of a worry over COVID and stuff. But Oh, I can imagine so, being yeah. a doctor
1: in the hospital. Of course you'd worry, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, no, that yeah. was kind
0: of a bit stressful. The the one thing I did want to mention, and I did say that I mentioned Noel, and it was that I read in an article, and I don't know how far, uh, how long ago this article yeah. was, but it was that you and everybody always thought the Wonderwall was written for you. Yeah, and then I just thought this was so nasty and, and Yeah. <laughs> how you cope. All of a sudden, when you were getting divorced, he said it wasn't about you. And yeah. I just thought really moving because I'm going to quote you said, but all of a sudden when I was getting divorced, he said it wasn't about me. So I don't really understand. That yeah.
1: just got me here. And it was yeah. just like a kick in the face. Well, you know, I think when you're getting divorced, there's a lot of tension. And you know what? It's his song. He can choose who he wants <laughs> to dedicate it to. You know, I, I'm quite happy with whatever he says. You know, it's his song. He knows. Yeah, you he's see, the one who truly knows the bottom of his heart. You know,
0: but you know. You
1: really know.
0: <laughs> but you know what? Here's the thing that I always say. Yeah. There is no absolute truth because it's all our perceptions of what things happen. So that's why different people. Yeah different things in different ways. So your life is your story and actually yeah. you, you can switch it up if you want. So you can actually yeah. change those and that's a real positive. That's not making stuff up. You can just have a different perception on, on things yeah. that you used to and that's really empowering. You have been fantastic. You've spoken to me for so long. I do like to end on asking <laughs> to give me their tip for surviving and thriving in life.
1: Okay. And mine is talking and sharing I I think that's the most important thing to me without my phone like in the morning when my head starts to go I pick up the phone and I call a girlfriend I call someone that um, as we know Pippi Lala or Neely Moore as I say in the book for me it's all about talking what's going on because a problem ed is a problem shared always and it takes the power out of anything and another person's perspective will always bring it back to me like i will get like a a bill and then be like oh my god the boiler the boiler bill oh my god i'm losing the house can't afford to pay the mortgage (laughs) i go from one to a million My head, that's what it does. All of a sudden, I'm homeless because I've opened it and I've got a a bill (laughs) for the boiler. So I have to bring it back to the now and I have to talk to someone and then they have to bring me around. But if I leave it to my own head, forget it. But you see, that's where the rumination, and I always say to people, support, talk, even just
0: letting it out of your mouth, you can kind of go, that's bloody stupid. Do you, do you know, even yeah. just hearing yourself say it. So I would sort of say to people as well, if you don't have access to an incredible support system like Meg has, and a lot of people are missing their support systems through lockdown yeah. and stuff. Maybe people had friends at work that they could casually say something and it's very different and harder to pick up a phone and say, can I talk to yeah. you? I would advise people do that. Pick up the phone. People will, pick oh, up people the phone. I will think love right. to be needed. Make people love effort. to be needed.
1: Yeah. And make that effort, and they'll probably find that they want to. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's going to be like a pain. You always think if I call that person, you know what? At this time, I've noticed that you'd think people would be calling people more, but as you go more no, into the lockdown, they're not. I've noticed I get less texts. Yeah. I get less WhatsApp. I yeah. get less phone calls. So you pick up your phone today, ring a couple of people that you don't normally ring that might be sitting them on their own and not spoken to anybody. And to be honest, you may well and loneliness be them is doing huge. them a favor. Oh, loneliness is, is, is yeah, it's a big such, one for me. I'm very passionate about it. Yeah, no, me too. But even if you just can't connect,
0: write it down. Get that thought out of your head. Put it on paper because then your brain doesn't have to keep it going round and round and round and round in yeah. a circle. I often say to people, if you find you're ruminating at night time, you know that's when your anxiety. Have a notepad beside your bed. Just write the bloody thing down. And I often say, a thing, yeah. if something's really bothering you, say, okay, I'm going to deal with that at three o'clock on Tuesday. You make an appointment with yourself. Yeah. Put it in your diary. I'm going to. Deal with that worry at three o'clock on Tuesday. Then, if it comes into your head at one o'clock in the morning when you're in bed, and you say, "No, I have that scheduled,"
1: (laughs) and you just push it away, really good idea. Because I know that I've woken up, and then all of a sudden your head starts thinking. Like I woke up about four o'clock this morning, and it's quite usual because I'm the five a.m. clubs, and I love that Robin Sharma wrote a book, The Five A.M. Club. So now I don't feel like I'm oh, I must check that out. The five a.m. Yeah. It's by Robin Sharman. I think he wrote The Ferrari and The Monk. He's that famous writer. And he wrote The 5am Club. And I wake up at 5am without any alarm clock, but today I woke up at four and then I was like, oh my God, what have I got to do? What have I got to do? And then I was like, no, it's okay. Everything is written down. I've got hundreds of pieces of paper everywhere, (laughs) everywhere, all written out and notes. See, mine are all on my computer.
0: Mine around, yeah. No, I have
1: everything old school, everything old school because yep. this is me. So I'm just like papers everywhere, and they're all around me. And I know they're there. And I put them like I do lay out my clothes the night before, do you? And yeah, wow. I lay out what I'm going to wear the night before. This is all my ADHD, yeah. And then also, I will have everything set up, for yep. my paperwork downstairs. So I know that when I get up in the morning, I have nothing to fear, I know yep. what I'm wearing. I know that everything's downstairs and yeah. everything's It's yeah. comforting. Yeah, 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 it's comforting. Yeah. I, and then when I, I wake I up bed. in the night, I'm just like, I know everything's in place. So I know that I can just get out of bed, have a shower, put my clothes on, go downstairs have breakfast and everything and all my notes and everything. Are all so done I'm a list person.
0: So I have all the things cause I can get a bit like that. I really do struggle and I'm working on it to say no. Yeah. No, and I just have too many things. And then sometimes you just get overwhelmed. Oh, I should be doing this and I shouldn't be doing that. And, and, and you get yeah. nothing done. And so I have a whole list system where I have, this has to be done by. So I even had, yeah. you were on my list, you know, research yeah. Meg, read the new heart. And I have the final date by which I have to have that finished because yeah. I know that I'm interviewing you today, and that's how
1: I operate. You were brilliant in your research. You were probably one of the best people that have interviewed me for my book, actually, the best. Oh, thank you. Yeah. and for everyone that's interviewed me yeah well I hope
0: that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did you will find links to Meg's book The New Hot and to my book Beating Brain Fog in the show notes I want to say a special welcome to those of you joining us online as we journey through 30 days of restorative rituals to recharge reset and refresh your brain it's not too late to follow along and I will put details as to how you can do that in the show notes also. You know, I feel so fortunate as the host of Superbrain because I get to talk to so many inspiring individuals. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, there are lots of wonderful guests from previous seasons that you can catch up with. If you like to listen to Sassy Funny Women, check out the episodes with comedian Joanne McNally in season one and also actually with author Anna MacPartlin in season two. My name is Sabina Brennan, and you have been listening to Super Brain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus,